Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Jonah. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, and follow along while I read. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. In the first two chapters of this book, we learn that God's grace saved Jonah from drowning and going too far in the wrong direction or too far away from God. In the second chapter, we saw that God's grace put Jonah where he needed to be to get back on course. But here in the third chapter, we're told that the word of God had to come to Jonah a second time before he acted on what he was told. The Lord again tells Jonah that he needs to go to Nineveh and cry out against it for their violence. This time Jonah goes and does exactly what he's asked to do. The results are dramatic, and in this story, I think we see some things that are instructive to us about hearing a word from the Lord. One is that a word from the Lord always anticipates a response. When the Lord spoke to Jonah, he expected Jonah to go to Nineveh and make the proclamation. When that word of God was shared with Nineveh, they were expected to repent. Throughout Scripture, when the word of the Lord comes to an individual or a group of people, there is an anticipation of a response. We are told in the New Testament that Jesus Christ was the word of God. And when he came, the anticipation was that we would respond to that word by surrendering our lives to him and following him, learning from him what genuine faith was and what God expected of his followers. Just as Jonah, Nineveh, and even Jesus show us, doing what God wants takes our participation and effort. We can't just acknowledge what God says is right. We actually have to trust it enough to put it into practice in our daily lives so that we experience the benefit and blessing and transformation that comes as a result. And what we see in this story is that a proper response to God 
is humility and submission. See, I don't always know what's best for me, but God does. Am I willing to humble myself and admit that I may not have all the answers, that I need to listen to someone else, that I need to take advice from God himself if I want the best for my life? We don't have to just follow the example of Jonah and Nineveh. We can look at the example of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us that Jesus humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The people of Nineveh humbled themselves and realized that the way they were doing things wasn't working, that God was right. They had been too violent, and they committed to changing their behavior. This may not have been what they wanted or expected, but they did realize it was what they needed. In the same way, we always know what we want, but we don't always know what we need. Since God knows best, let's agree to do what he says. But rather than doing what he says and giving that submission, we often respond with excuses or with pride. We imagine that somehow this doesn't apply to us in our circumstance and that there's some excuse why we can have the wrong attitude or the wrong actions. Maybe we just don't like to admit that we were wrong or that we were on the wrong course. We don't want to appear foolish or a failure, and so we make the excuses. But notice in Nineveh's story that their submission was total. Everyone completely humbled themselves before God and agreed to do what God said. We're told that it happened from the least to the greatest, from the poorest people in town to the king himself. And you may have noticed They didn't even stop with the humans. They also included the beast and the herds and the flocks. They wanted to make sure that God understood that they were all in and they had totally submitted to his will. Also notice that their submission was unconditional. They didn't come back to God and say, God, if you will do these things for us, we will obey you. They didn't even expect to necessarily be saved. Notice in verse 9, the king says, who knows, if we do these things, God may turn and relent. They surrendered to God because they believed he was God. They believed he had absolute authority in the cosmos. And so they did what he said just because he said it. It was an unconditional surrender. Too many of us are trying to negotiate the terms of peace with God. We let God know that we're willing to do so much, but no more, and that God should save us anyway. For Nineveh, the submission was unconditional. But probably the most intriguing part of this story for me is that Nineveh's submission was by a group of outsiders, people who were not in Israel, who were not numbered among God's chosen people. And this happens at a time when God's chosen people are continuing self-destructive behavior. I mentioned in a previous episode that Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings. If you go to 2 Kings chapter 14 and read through there and see the mention of Jonah's prophecy, it comes to Jeroboam II, who we are told was a wicked person, but God had not yet said that he was going to drive Israel out, so the prophecy came true. But subsequent kings continued to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. And when we get down to 
2 Kings 17, starting in verse 11, Scripture says, And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger, and they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in according with all the law that I have commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. And they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God, and they made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. Very dramatically different responses to a word from God. This prophet Jonah had spoken in Israel and was rejected, but he goes to Nineveh and the people humbly submit to the will of God. If you continue reading the plight of Israel in 2 Kings, if you pick up where I left off, you'll see that the country who takes Israel out of the sight of the Lord is Assyria, the country in which Nineveh exists. God spared Nineveh because of their obedience and then uses Nineveh to pour out judgment on Israel who refused to submit to his will. The submission from the outsiders was complete, but those insiders, those chosen of God, refused to change their behavior. They had assimilated into the culture around them, and God couldn't stand to look at them anymore. I fear sometimes in our churches, we've gotten so comfortable. We've gotten so assured that we're okay, that when a word of the Lord comes to us and that should convict us and cause us to make changes and repent, we don't hear it, but we make excuses and we have pride that we already know what to do. While people outside the church are having spiritual experiences and are drawing nearer to God and are coming closer to doing what God wants than those inside the church, they may not have acknowledged him completely yet. They may not be doing everything right. They may not have initiated themselves into the people of God in the way that we think they should, but are they being more humble and more loving and more caring and more compassionate than the people who were in churches? This is what happened in the time of Jonah. We have to be careful that it's not happening in our time. Unfortunately, I think we can see evidence that it does. We see people who claim to be followers of God on social media and even on television making these bold proclamations about those evildoers and being hateful and calling people names and lacking compassion and not looking for ways to serve others, while civic groups and groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and and other service organizations out in our community and society are doing more of what looks like God's work than churches are. 
Too many of our churches are building facilities for us and forgetting about the people outside the doors. We're creating programs that make us feel good and keep us entertained, but we're not helping the least of these. When we receive a word from the Lord, we should respond with humility and unconditional submission. We should stop making excuses and pointing at them and saying at least we're better than they are. We should wholeheartedly do what God wants us to do. Some might say, why is that important? We're not saved by works. It's not what we do that's important. God does the saving. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and he's the one that takes our sins away. What many of us fail to see is what's obvious in this story and what's obvious in the life of Jesus. God works in the submission. We're told that as churches, we are the body of Christ. We are doing the work of Jesus himself. We are his body. God is wanting to work through us in this world, and that happens in our submission. He tells us what to do, not to see if we'll do it so that we can earn a prize, but so that he can accomplish his purposes through us. We owe him that because he rescued us. Remember at the beginning of the story, abandoning truth put Jonah in the middle of a storm. It made his life a mess. But in this part of the story, Nineveh embraced truth, and it brought peace to them. They were no longer at war with God or with each other. They put away their violent ways. It also brought them a proper understanding of how they should proceed. It let them know what they should do next. And ultimately, it saved them from disaster. As we look at the society around us and we bemoan the fact that things aren't going in the right direction and we wonder how long God will put up with it, we would do well to learn the lessons of Nineveh and to not worry nearly so much about all the other people. But as the people of God, let us begin to humbly submit to our Lord so that he can work through us and bring about the results that he wants. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.